Thank you for joining today's podcast brought to you by the Video Journal of Hematological Oncology. Today, we will be exploring the use of CD20-CD3 bispecific antibodies for the treatment of non-Hodgkin lymphoma. First up, we have Stephen Schuster from the Perelman School of Medicine in Philadelphia, and he's going to be walking us through the latest updates on mosinotuzumab. Take it away, Stephen. Bispecific antibody therapy falls within the uh, T-cell-mediated immunotherapies like CAR T-cells, checkpoint inhibitors, et cetera, as shown on the slide. Um, and like CAR T-cells, uh, this operates in an MHC-independent uh, uh, fashion um, and uh, uh, also uh, uh, does not require uh, presentation of antigen uh, by antigen-presenting cells, uh, does not use the native T-cell receptors. It simply gathers T-cells by virtue of their uh, uh, um, CD3 uh, epsilon chain and, uh, and joins them with tumor cells expressing CD20, results in apoptosis like CAR T cells. Uh, Blenitumab is the first and oldest bispecific, actually it's the only one that's approved. It's a small um, um, a duplex of two murine um, single chain variable fragments. The other um, bispecific shown on the slides are the ones that are furthest along in development. Basically, all of these have the FC portions neutralized so they don't activate, complement, or interact with FC receptors. Clofitimab has a two to one CD20 to CD3 ratio because it's got a tandem arm. Uh, these are all asymmetric, so-called asymmetric bispecifics with one arm T-cell, one arm CD20. To summarize the trials, uh, most of the that I'm talking about, um, um, has probably the largest number of patients of any of the bispecific trials and perhaps the most mature data. And the trial uh, we were involved with, like the others, is an early phase uh, trial, dose escalation and expansion. It included aggressive and indolent lymphomas, indolent largely follicular, aggressive largely large B-cell lymphoma. With, uh, and as you can see, excellent activity in terms of overall response, almost two-thirds for indolent lymphomas with a 40 percent or so complete remission rate, aggressive lymphomas, 40 percent uh, overall response rate, about a 20 percent CR rate. Um, Progression-free survival is uh, not yet reported, but I'll show you some quickly some swimmer, swimmer plots. These look durable at relatively short follow-up compared to what we have for CAR T-cells. And there is the class uh, effect of T-cell therapies, which is cytokine release syndrome and also um, neurotoxicity. And as you can see, uh, all products have that. However, neurotoxicity with the CD20 bispecifics uh, is, is very rare. And the cytokine release syndromes is also quite mild, very rare to see uh, beyond grade three with the exception of lofitimab and uh, odronextimab. But a very well tolerated or off the shelf product. This is a swimmer plot for overall response rates in a, in a from a presentation we gave a year ago. Uh, this is the aggressive lymphoma patients. These are all, at any dose, uh, we have a about a 20% complete response rate, about 70% remained in remission uh, um, uh, off therapy, 17 patients, and that was uh, up to uh, 16 months at that time. Uh, so some of these uh, complete responses are durable in, aggression, in aggressive lymphomas. Uh, similarly, in lymphomas, 40% uh, complete response rate, and again, uh, uh, most, about 80% of these patients remained in remission off therapy and for up to over two years at, and a year ago, and some uh, are continuing, um, I, I can tell you from my practice. So, and these are in triple refractory folliculars, et cetera. So, so capable of achieving a durable response, even in CD20 uh, resistant patients, showing you that it acts differently 
than other CD20 monoclonal antibodies. And it's truly a cell-mediated therapy, T-cell-mediated therapy. I'm going to show you a couple of cases to show, give you an idea of the flexibility of having a bispecific antibody. This is a patient with very aggressive follicular lymphoma, relapsed and refractory, um, and uh, uh, this was her PET scan, this day minus 12 uh, PET scan uh, prior to uh, post CAR T cell at about, she was about, I guess, 12 months or so post CAR T, which was a late relapse, unusual. Um, and she had lost her CAR T cells, which had expanded uh, early on. Uh, we treated her with bispecific antibody after three cycles of mosinotuzumab. Uh, she achieved complete remission. There was some re-expansion of CAR T cells, and we've seen CRs to mosinotuzumab mosinotuzumab post CAR T cells with or without expansion of the CAR T cells. And this woman, uh, when I presented this at, uh, at ASH was eight months off treatment. We well, can add another 15 months to that. She's still in complete remission. Uh, I just saw her recently and doing quite well after um, six months of therapy. Um, this was a patient, again, to show you the flexibility that had a very rapidly paced and uh, CD20 and chemotherapy refractory follicular lymphoma, um, who we put on a bispecific because it was off the shelf. Tumor cells were strongly positive for CD20. And when we treated him clinically and uh, uh, on exam, he was responding wonderfully, uh, but began to progress in his neck. We did another PET scan. He had disease in his neck. The rest of his body appeared to um, uh, have achieved uh, local remissions. We biopsied his neck and he had lost CD20. So this is true loss of antigen. Uh, um, and we Therese, this patient, took him to CAR T-cells on a clinical trial uh, with T-cell like Lucille and three-month uh, PET-CT, which showed a complete remission. And you can add 15 months to this, and he, this man is still in uh, complete remission now. So again, you know, we've used bispecifics after CAR T-cell failure. We've used it as a bridge to CAR T-cell. These are uh, ways of using T-cells uh, in more by more than one uh, mechanism. We've retreated patients with mosinotuzumab, and they respond, patients that have previously responded in some cases. So basically, bispecific antibodies have a, a very nice uh, benefit-risk profile in patients with relapsed refractory B-cell lymphomas. You can get complete responses even in patients who've progressed after CAR T-cell therapy, progressed after transplants, in lymphomas that are CD20 refractory and chemotherapy refractory, complete responses appear to be durable, but we don't have the same follow-up as with CAR T-cells. We need that follow-up to see where these are going to fall in the scheme of things. Retreatment's also a possibility. Um, these are being studied as single agents uh, as well as in combinations, um, and we're, we await those data anxiously. So which way to go? What do we choose? I don't know, but I think uh, um, there's lots of ways, and they're all promising. Thank you, Stephen. We look forward to seeing what the future role of mosinotuzumab as a treatment for relapsed or refractory B-cell lymphoma will be. Next up, we have Frank Morshauser of the Lille University Hospital based in France, who will be giving us a brief overview of glofitimab. So the first thing that uh, we should know about glofitimab is that um, among the different bispecifics targeting CD3 and CD20 in the lymphoma landscape, it is the only one with a 2 to 1 format. And therefore, uh, this compound has a higher avidity binding to CD20 on B cells. This format offers a strong activity in presence of residual anti-CD20 from previous lines of therapy, and also the ability to combine with other uh, anti-CD20 in uh, the standard of care, such as our job 
or GCHOP or different anti-CD20 plus chemotherapy. From the structural perspective, we should also notice that this drug has a head-to-tail geometry via a flexible linker, which confirms also a higher potency than other formats. And finally, the FC portion has been silenced to abrogate potential ADCC, ADCP, and CDC. The in vitro results uh, with the 2 to 1 format compared to the 1 to 1 format. And clearly, with the 2 to 1 format, there is a higher lymphoma cell killing, which um, is in favor of the higher potency of this drug. The NP3179 study is really the, the key study for uh, the development of this compound. This was first divided into two parts. Uh, um, part one was single patient treatment at very low dose, uh, 0.005 to 0.045. And then the part two with the dose escalation up to 25 milligrams. The drug was initially given every two weeks and then after uh, reaching 10 milligrams up to three weeks. It is also very important to notice that the entire development of this drug has been done with obinutuzumab pretreatment uh, seven days before the first fixed dose of glofitamab and this is a consequence of what has been observed in sinomolgus monkeys in terms of CRS incidence without glofitamab. So in humans, there is no data starting directly with glofitamab. The main toxicity, which is CRS with the fixed dosing up to 20 milligram. And uh, clearly, at 25 milligram, we reach the maximum tolerated dose because there, the incidence of grade three or four CRS uh, was much higher. And um, this prompts the decision to recommend uh, 16 milligram fixed dosing at the highest dose to be delivered to the patient. This being said, with this fixed dosing up to 25 milligram, the response rates were pretty promising uh, when giving 10 milligrams of more or more or aggressive NIHL, the response rate was close to 50% with a CR rate uh, up to 34%, which was very good compared to other compounds such as Mosum, for example. And in dolent lymphoma, the other response rate was 67% with a CR rate of 50%. As part of the study, there was also uh, one cohort combining obinutuzumab plus uh, glofitamab based on the fact that in in vitro study, there was some kind of additive effects uh, by multiplying the mechanism of action if you add the FC engager obinutuzumab and the T-cell engager glofitamab. And just a quick focus on the results when uh, G was given plus glofitamab at doses up to 10 milligram, you see that in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, even if the number is low, the CR rate, we are increasing uh, up 
to 44% combining altogether and uh, close to 67% in the patients that were treated at a 16 milligram fixed dose. And the results in the indolent cohort were also pretty good because the CR rate was 75 altogether and 100% in the three patients that were treated in 16 milligrams. So clearly data in favor of the additive effects. Still at that point with uh, other biospecifics in the field, uh, the trend was to increase the highest dose and it was decided to test a step up dosing to improve the safety profile and also to allow increasing the dose above uh, 20 uh, milligram and up to 30 milligram. And uh, at this, with this step up dosing regimen, the safety profile was uh, uh, really reasonable, dominated again by the, the CRS and the neutropenia. And only uh, two patients, which mean less than 4%, had adverse events leading to treatment discontinuation. And uh, comparing now the fixed dosing up to 25 milligram and the step-up dosing up to 30 milligram, the other response, the other CRS rate was similar between the fixed dosing and step-up dosing. But clearly with the step-up dosing, there was a clear reduced incidence of the frequency of high-grade CRS-3. There were no grade 3, and there was only one grade 4 um, with a step-up dosing in a patient that had very much a delayed uh, um, administration of the target dose of 30 milligrams. So clearly, an improved safety profile with a step-up dosing. But not only an improved safety, but also an improved efficacy. If you compare here uh, the fixed dosing at left hand and the step-up dosing at right hand, uh, by increasing the target dose up to 30 milligrams, there was an improved CR rate at 53% uh, for the aggressive cohort and an improved um, CR rate of 54% in the indolent lymphoma. And this does not um, give the full picture for indolent lymphoma because many of those patients were still waiting at the time uh, to, to get the first response assessment at the time um, this report was made. And you will see the response rate is even higher there. Uh, this response appeared to be durable as much as for, for diffuse IVs and lymphoma and for indolent lymphoma, the most of the complete response are ongoing, all for indolent lymphoma, 13 out of 13 and 13 out of 50. The further development was then to use a step-up dosing and the expansion cohort for diffuse IVs and lymphoma, 100 patients and now be treating at this step of dosing with the maximum tolerated dose of uh, 30 milligram, and we are expecting the full result there. And the further development in follicular lymphoma is still very much dependent on uh, other cohorts where we try to diminish the uh, CRS again uh, to avoid any type of uh, three and four and probably a decreased incidence of CRS grade two. The overall uh, uh, trial overview for um, the um, glofitamab, you have combination with RCHOP in the first line setting, uh, glofitamab being given uh, starting at the second cycle. You have combination with POLA 
in case Polarix would be positive, which we all expect, um, you have combination with another bispecifics targeting CD19 and 41BB to increase the potency and get the second signals as inter-CAR T cell. Combination with GEMOX with um, uh, phase three randomized trials starting soon and combination in indolent histology with uh, lenalidomide. Thank you for sharing that research with us, Frank. Finally, we have Rajat Panerjee of the Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey, who will be giving an overview of the latest data on the CD20-CD3 bispecific antibody, odronextamab, previously known as REGN1979. Odronextamab is a bispecific antibody that binds to CD3 on the T cell and to CD20 on the target B cell. Uh, the cartoon shows uh, the structure of the antibody as well as uh, how it links the T cell uh, to the target B cell. The activity of the bispecific antibody is independent of the specificity of the T cell receptor. These are the baseline characteristics and patient disposition of the 136 patients on the phase one study. The majority of the patients have advanced stage disease, a full third have bulky disease, and 26% uh, of patients had progressed following prior CAR-T therapy. In terms of patient disposition, uh, about 18% of patients remain on study, 10% have completed study, and about 73% have discontinued study, the majority of those for disease progression. Uh, as has been seen with many immunotherapies, including by specific antibodies, cytokine release syndrome is a toxicity of this type of treatment. To mitigate against this, we have taken a number of steps, including step-up dosing with the lowest dose in week one, stepping up to an intermediate dose in week two, and administering the full dose in week three. Uh, and in weeks one and two, we have also split uh, the target dose for that week over two days. Grade three cytokine release syndrome uh, was fairly, um, uh, was not seen very often. So uh, in follicular lymphoma, there's only a single um, case of grade three CRS, and that occurred on week three. Uh, and in diffuse large B cell lymphoma, uh, the cases of CRS were seen typically in the step-up uh, dosing weeks, week one and week two. And uh, these events resolved within a median of two days with supportive care. Additional adverse interest, uh, events of special interest include tumor lysis syndrome and neurotoxicity. Uh, no grade three or higher tumor lysis syndrome was observed in either follicular lymphoma or diffuse large B cell lymphoma patients. The highest grade of ICANS like neurotoxicity was grade three. And as can be seen uh, in the middle row, uh, the incidence was quite low with about 2% of patients experiencing uh, a, a grade three ICANS like neurotoxicity. We are now looking at a waterfall plot and Kaplan-Meier curve uh, regarding efficacy in patients with relapsed or refractory follicular lymphoma. The overall response rate was 90% with a 70% uh, complete response. These complete responses were durable uh, and the longest uh, ongoing response at the time of data cut was out to 41 months. 
the median duration of complete response has not yet been reached. Here we look at efficacy in patients with relapsed refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma who had not had any prior CAR-T therapy. Uh, in this population, the overall response rate was 55%, uh, all of which were complete remissions. Um, again, the majority of these were durable with the longest lasting CR out to 21 months at the time of data cut. The DLBCL data being presented are at the highest uh, dose levels of 80 milligrams out to 320 milligrams uh, uh, tested in the phase one study, uh, which were dose levels where efficacy was seen in DLBCL on a consistent basis. Now, these are DLBCL patients who had received prior CAR T therapy. Here, the overall response rate is 33% with a CR rate of 21%. Uh, 100% of the complete remissions are ongoing, uh, the longest out to 20 months at the time of data cut. Here, I'll touch on uh, just one of uh, the uh, experiments shown in the biomarker study that was presented at ASH. And um, here we look at the association of T-cell infiltration density at baseline with odronextumab clinical responses. Uh, and so in a uh, reference um, histology uh, data set, um, it was seen that there was higher T-cell infiltration in follicular lymphoma uh, than in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. However, the same trend is shown uh, in the patients on the odronextumab phase one study. And so if you look at baseline um, quantity of, uh, or density of uh, CD3 positive T cells, and also a subset CD4 and CD8 uh, and T regs, you can see that T cells in general uh, had a higher density in follicular lymphoma than in large cell lymphoma. Um, and uh, of interest um, in follicular lymphoma, uh, if we go all the way to the right-hand side of the figure, uh, there was a higher density of Tregs in the population uh, who had stable disease or progressive disease. Uh, this is uh, an intriguing hypothesis uh, for uh, another way to optimize the immune uh, response to tumors. Uh, again, the biomarker uh, data was a small subset of the overall study uh, and so um, these observations really to generate hypotheses. Finally, um, a phase two study is ongoing, uh, an international phase two with odronextumab, and um, various populations are being looked at, including follicular lymphoma, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, mantle cell lymphoma, marginal zone lymphoma, and a basket of uh, all other B-cell lymphomas. So in conclusion, odronextumab is a novel CD20 by CD3 bispecific antibody. It leads to durable, complete responses in heavily pretreated patients with follicular lymphoma and diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. Uh, the response rates are noted on the slide. Uh, it has an acceptable uh, benefit risk profile in patients with follicular lymphoma and diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. The highest grade of cytokine release syndrome was grade three, and these were mostly transient and occurred with the initial or intermediate step-up dose. The highest grade of neurotoxicity was also grade three, and no tumor lysis syndrome was seen. Um, three patients with follicular lymphoma and three with large cell lymphoma discontinued due to adverse events, uh, but none of these were due to cytokine release syndrome or neurotoxicity, and phase two study is ongoing. 
uh, in terms of biomarker conclusions, uh, showing that there may be an association between baseline tumor infiltrating lymphocyte density uh, with both the, the disease type and with the efficacy of uh, odronextumab. Baseline CD20 expression uh, did not predict for or was not associated with uh, the efficacy of the bispecific antibody. And uh, also that in some of the patients who progressed following CD20 bispecific antibody treatment, uh, that some of these patients lost CD20 expression. Uh, and in some of these patients, um, we found inactivating gene mutations uh, in the CD20 gene. Thank you for that update on the use of odronextamab, Rajat. That concludes today's episode on CD20, CD3 bispecific antibodies for the treatment of NHL. Thank you to all of our speakers for sharing their research and insights in this field, and thanks to you for tuning in. For more updates, follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk. You can also visit VJHemonk.com for coverage of the latest updates in non-Hodgkin lymphoma and immuno-oncology from major international meetings. Finally, make sure to subscribe to VJHemonk podcasts, which are available on Spotify, Apple, and Podbeam.